Good evening. Our reading this evening is from Mark chapter 10, and I'm starting to read at verse 13. That's the Gospel of Mark chapter 10. It's on page 1014 in the Bibles in front of you. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them and blessed them. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honour your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked round and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Then Peter spoke up, we have left everything to follow you. Truly, I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. They were on their way up to Jerusalem, with Jesus leading the way, and the disciples were astonished, while those who followed were afraid. 
Again, he took the twelve aside and told them what was going to happen to him. We are going up to Jerusalem, he said, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles, who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him. Three days later, he will rise. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you are asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink? or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. Those places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the turn when the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, Jesus said. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Fantastic. Well done, Sue. That's a long reading. Oh. Um, my name's Stephen. Uh, I work for the church here. Um, and it's my first time preaching with fireworks in the background. Oh, very exciting. Um, but a, a few weeks ago, um, Lizzie, my wife, and I went to Italy. And um, I learned three things, three things that you should never do when you go to Italy. I thought I'd share them with you so you can be prepared and ready. Okay, here they are. The three big no's. Number one, do not drink cappuccino after 11 a.m. 
cappuccino is a morning drink. Don't go near it after then. Number two, even worse, do not use a knife to eat your spaghetti. Let's be honest. Who uses a knife when they're having spaghetti at home? Yeah, yeah. Don't do that. That's, that's almost criminal. And number three, the hardest one, I think, the one I struggle with most, <sighs> never wear shorts in October. Now, if you know me, you know I love my shorts. I spent the whole time wearing shorts there. And it hit me on the second day. People are staring at us. People are giving us weird looks. I was like, oh, I haven't seen any Italian like, legs in shorts. So I messaged my friend and said, what's going on? Why is no one wearing shorts? He said, that's how we spot the tourists. I was like, oh, no. Um, you don't wear shorts in Italy. Big, they can spot you and, and, and know that you don't belong. And see, when we read Mark 10, I think, like, well, we kind of see that Jesus, he's not from around these parts. The stuff he says, the stuff he does, he doesn't kind of fit in with the society back then, does he? Let's get our bearings a little bit first. Um, we're in this chunk of Mark, which goes from Mark 8 to Mark 10, um, and kind of it's, it's characterized by three predictions of the death of Jesus. And each time, Jesus tells the disciples he's going to die, and it kind of goes right over their head. It's like they're completely blind to who Jesus is. In fact, blindness is kind of a theme of this chunk, because it starts with a healing of a blind man in Luke 8, and ends with a healing of another blind man in Luke 10. Like, not Luke, we're Mark, aren't we? Mark 8 and Mark 10. It's all about being blind, like me. And so actually, it's no surprise that the disciples in Mark 10 seem really, really confused. It's like they're blind and they don't get it either. They've been with Jesus for three years. And still, what he does and what he says is like, what? It doesn't fit. They look at him, they're like, hey, you're not from around these parts. Which makes sense, doesn't it? Because he's the heavenly man. And so, actually, I think he's showing us here a glimpse of the heavenly kingdom and the values of his kingdom. And they don't fit into our boxes. Look at verse 31. This is the upside-down thing. This is kind of the theme of this passage, this this chunk. Um, Jesus says, Many who are first will be last, and the last first. See, his is a kingdom where the last are first. That's the theme. But this passage, as Sue read it, you may be thinking, my word, that is a Christmas turkey of a passage. It is an absolute monster. You know, you're sitting there Christmas Day, and the turkey's brought out, the Kelly bronze, all golden brown, and looking delicious, and you're like, oh, how are we going to tackle that? You loosen the belt, get ready, and off you go. You give it a good go. Eat, eat, eat turkey. And then, for the next week, you've got meat. Meat for weeks, haven't you? You've got turkey sandwiches, turkey biryani, turkey uh, pie, turkey pasta, whatever it is, like turkey for days. See, Mark 10, we're going to eat well tonight, but there's so much more. Like, like go home, dine out on Mark 10 turkey leg at home, and see if you can spot that beautiful pattern of last being first. Let's go. Verse 13. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. That's lovely. But the disciples rebuked them. Oh, not so lovely. I mean, our culture is one where children are like firm in the center, aren't they? We have Build-A-Bear workshops. Um, we have monkey business and jump in. We have play dates and Disneyland. We even, as Lizzie and I are finding out, have strollers that cost like a lot of money. Like our world is centered around children. 
their world wasn't. In fact, in that society, children were over here. They were some of the last. Kind of had no rights, no status. In fact, infanticide, the murder of children, was huge in the Roman Empire. Here's a shocking letter from a Roman soldier sent to his wife in 1 BC. He said, above all, if you bear a child, and if it's a male, let it be. If it's a female, cast it out. A horrible society where children are last. And it feels like some of that culture is kind of seeping into the disciples, right? As they stand there in front of Jesus, acting like the barrier at Thorpe Park, kind of saying, uh, no. No, you must be this tall to see Jesus, this old to come to my, our king. No, 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 you're not allowed. <laughs> Which is ridiculous, right? Because we've just come from Mark 9. And in Mark 9, verse 37, Jesus has just said, whoever welcomes one of these little ones welcomes me. And what are they doing? They're refusing the little ones. Like, it's ludicrous. No wonder Jesus gets properly furious, doesn't he? Look at verse 14. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. That means angry. Angry about injustice. Uh, And I think what we get angry about, it reveals what we care most about, doesn't it? It's a good little message for us to to check. What are we getting angry about? See, for Jesus, he's getting angry about kids not being able to come close to him. Because in his heart are these little ones. His is a kingdom where the last are first. Verse 14, he says, Let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Jesus calls them to himself. He's like bringing up their status, up elevating them, saying, You belong. You have a place here. You have a place. He's flipping the world in its head, and actually, Christianity started a massive change in society. Here's what one professor um, over in America, an atheist, said about Christianity. They said, Christianity is the single greatest breakthrough against child abuse in history. Isn't that quality? That's what our Lord and Savior brought about by inviting those children. This is the kingdom where the last are first. And actually, it's a call for us as a church to carry on doing what we're doing. Like, keep inviting children in to meet Jesus. Like, our Light Bright Family Fund, like, fantastic. Our all-age services, brilliant. Be there, support and help. Um, and if you want to help at youth groups and children's groups, we love more helpers. Hey, always a plug. <laughs> and, uh, and also for parents, our, our job is to pray for our kids and, and help them as much as possible meet and treasure Jesus for themselves. Because in his kingdom, it's one where the last are first. But actually, it wasn't just children who, who were kind of last in that society. Um, women were pretty low down too. In fact, back in the day, there were kind of two schools of um, Jewish teaching, one in the school of Hillel, the more popular one in Jesus' time. They taught that a, that a man could divorce his wife if she overcooked the food or oversalted it. <laughs> Terrible, right? We didn't read it, but have a look at the words of verse 11. This is Jesus making such a powerful statement to that society. He answered, anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her. 
And if she divorces her husband and marries another man, she commits adultery. Do you see what he's doing? Jesus there is protecting women. He's calling on husbands to be faithful to their wives and love their wives. And he's raising women to the same level, the same status as men. Because that's his kingdom, a kingdom where the last are first. But that's not all. Also in the passage, who else do we meet? We meet our man, um, oh, Blind Bart. That's a definition of lastness, if ever we saw one, right? A, a blind beggar on the roadside, um, kind of struck out of society. A one, when he starts shouting, verse 48, everyone starts rebuking him. He's the very last. And yet, verse 49, Jesus stopped. The Lord of the universe stops. And he heals Bartimaeus as his last healing before the cross. The only person Jesus heals who's named in Mark's gospel is Bartimaeus. Because his is a kingdom where the last are first. In fact, it's no wonder that kind of a second century philosopher, a guy called Celsus, um, said this as an insult about Christianity. He said, Christians want and are able to convince only the foolish, dishonorable and stupid, only slaves, women and little children. We look at that and we're like, yes, brother, preach it, you're right. Because Jesus flips the world on its head. This is a kingdom where the last find value and meaning. We see the heart of our God, which is for the little ones. The last ones, the lost ones, the ones who feel insignificant and discarded. Oh, what a beautiful kingdom, right? Where the last are first. We've met kind of three lasts. Let's have a look at someone who thinks they're first. Check out verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? A man asking the question, how do I get into heaven? And this guy is the very definition of a first. In fact, um, he's a bit like, he's a speedy boarder. I've got a bit of a beef against speedy boarding. Um, let me uh, vent, for you, vent for a few minutes. Um, oh, we're sitting there, like at Milan Airport, waiting to come back to Gatwick. And the EasyJet person on the tannoy says, speedy boarders, please, come on up, line up. Speedy boarders, come on through. And off they go. They brandish their tickets like a sword. Whoosh! They grab their travel cases and off they go, looking smug, looking at the rest of us. Ha, I'm first, I'm first. And off they go, into the distance. Ten minutes later, us, the unspeedy boarders, we queue and we go through and go down the stairs to a bus, not a plane. And those speedy boarders, those ones who think they're first, they're on the same bus as us. And so we get on. And what happens? You know it. The bus comes round to the plane. The doors open. And who gets off first? The unspeedy boarder, the slow boarder. The last are first. <laughs> but I think that kind of gets us into the heart of this man here. I'm going to call him Mr. Rich Good Man. Because... As people who think they're first go, this guy's got everything, right? First, he's a man. Second, verse 22 tells us he has great wealth, like he is loaded. In fact, Luke's gospel tells us he, he's a ruler. And then when Jesus talks about commandments, verse 20, he says, Teacher, all these I have kept since I was a boy. 
not just rich, not just a man, but a nice, good man from a boy. If anyone looks like a first, the ultimate is this guy. And I reckon at verse 20, he and the disciples are kind of thinking, wow, Jesus will be impressed. Jesus will give him a little pat on the back and say, my word. Mr. Speedy Border, welcome on, you're in. But Jesus' kingdom is one where the last are first. In fact, look at verse 22. Jesus says, One thing you lack, sell everything you have and give to the poor. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. The one who looks like he's first is left behind. This is Jesus flipping the world in its head. No wonder, verse 24, the disciples were amazed. Then verse 26, they were even more amazed and say to each other, Who then can be saved if Mr. Rich, good man, can't be in? What? Because in in that culture, riches were a sign of blessing. In that culture, kind of someone who kept the commandments, they deserved to be in. That was a sign of blessing too. They thought he had everything. And Jesus said he's got nothing. Because his is the kingdom where the first are last. And actually, I wonder, I wonder if that thinking's got into our hearts deep down. That we, we might start to think that we're better than other people maybe because we do good things or because we have some money or because of where we're from or our backgrounds. But that's not how his kingdom works. Jesus' kingdom is one where the last are first. But the disciples, they don't get it. <laughs> Look at verse 35. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus. Teacher, they said, We want you to do for us whatever we ask. (laughs) They're basically saying to God Almighty, Oi, serve us, do our bidding. That's bold, right? (laughs) Like, you expect Jesus to pull out his finger and go, smitten, you know? (laughs) Like, like, what? Like, that's, that's crazy. But he doesn't. And actually, Jesus, throughout Mark 10, acts with such kindness and love to people to the rich young ruler, to James and John, to blind Bartimaeus, to everyone who comes to him, he shows such loving kindness. What a guy. And he says, verse 46, what do you want me to do for you? They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. What are they asking for? James and John are asking to be first. They're saying, we want to be rulers. Jesus, we want to be powerful. We want to sit there with you. We want to be first. They haven't got it yet, have they? And not just them. You know, it's verse 41. When the 10 heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. James and John getting promotions above me, Simon Peter. Whoa. And remember what we said about anger? Anger shows our hearts and what we value most. What do these guys value most? Well, they want to be rulers. They want power. They want to be first too. And actually, just that, 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 that message again for us to pay attention to what we get angry about. It, it spotlights our hearts so well. And Jesus, with his wonderful, immense patience, he sits them down and teaches yet again. Verse 43 He says, look, my kingdom doesn't work like that. You don't push yourself up. No, you go down. 
He says, instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. Jesus says, you want to go up, go down. You want to be great, start serving. He says, reach for the broom, not for the stars. He's calling us to be servants. And just think how beautiful that is when we live that out. It is a stunning thing. And actually, I was thinking of examples of this because I think our church does this really well. Like Tuesdays at Alpha, there are a, a whole horde of people who cook, who pray, who put tables out, who work in the kitchen and tidy up. That's amazing. That's serving. That's going low. And then I was thinking about the light, bright family fun night, all those who helped out, but particularly Kea and Rooted. There were 20 young people there helping out who gave up their Tuesday nights, who gave up their homework time, who gave up watching the bake-off to work. And, and, and we worked them hard. Like, like they were mopping, they were hoovering, they were sweeping. They were dealing with kids who had far too much sugar. Like, we worked them hard, but that service, that's Jesus' kingdom. It's so countercultural. It's upside down with a, with a last, a first, a kingdom of servants who are reaching for brooms, not for the stars. What a place. And actually, isn't that what our king's like? Because nestled in the middle of this last and first business, we get Jesus' third prediction of his death. And each time, things get slightly more clear every time he speaks. Um, So uh, have a little look at this. Verse 33, Jesus says, We're going up to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priest, teacher of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles, who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him. Three days later, he will rise. Did you see it in there? In there, I think, is the most evil collaboration in all of history. We're a world of collaborations. Here are some of my favorites at the moment. Um, if you look closely, you'll see that Nike have joined Ben and Jerry's. What? They've made a shoe and an ice cream. And then at the top, Pokemon and Vincent van Gogh expedition people. Wow. And there's popcorn, KFC, and Barkist. Amazing. Anyway, these are good collaborations. But in verse 33, nestled in there, there is the most evil collaboration in all of history. It's Jews and Gentiles, the whole world, gathering together to do what? to murder the Son of Man, to murder God himself. We find out where it's going to happen in Jerusalem. We find out that he's going to be spat on, flogged, mocked. This is God, the greatest. That's what's going to happen to him. And not only that, but verse 45, as Alfie read earlier, have a look at it. Verse 45, Jesus says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. He says, that was my mission. Me, the Son of Man, the the personification of glory and power and giving it all up. Becoming a servant. In fact, in this passage, twice Jesus uses that question a servant would ask. He says, what do you want me to do for you? How can I serve you? More than that. I think Jesus, when he looks at that rich young ruler, he sees a bit of himself in the rich young ruler. They're both about 30, probably, like young. Both rich. I mean, Jesus has the unlimited wealth of heaven at his disposal. 
and he calls the man to give it up, which is exactly what he has done. The richest, the greatest in all of human history coming to earth to experience a poverty we cannot imagine or fathom on the cross as he dies. For us, he is the ultimate first who became the last out of love for us. That's our king. And my word, isn't his kingdom a kingdom you want to be part of? A kingdom where little people are valued and treasured. A kingdom uh, where people serve and love each other. A kingdom which is built on grace, not merit. It sounds amazing. And actually, as Christians, we have a responsibility to live this kingdom out where we go. To be those who value other people. To be those who serve and go low. To be those who are last. But if you're not yet there, and you want to be, well, how do you get into this kingdom? If it's not about being Mr. Rich, good man, like how do you get in? Well, have a look at verse 14. This is the key. Jesus said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. He says, truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Um, he says, be more childish. Um, Lizzie and I are expecting a child in February, and one of the things I've learned about children, babies, is they do four things really, really, really well. They cry, they eat, they poop, and they're sick. Those are the four things babies do. Okay, they're, they're kind of cute as well. But those are the four things they do well. Babies bring nothing to the table. Like when, when our baby's born, he's not going to, she, he, she, I don't know, he's not going to be able to clean or cook or bring a wage in. We don't know. They can't do that. They bring nothing and need everything. That's what Jesus is saying. That's how you get into this kingdom. You bring nothing and come to him for everything and cry out for mercy. Isn't that the example of blind Bartimaeus? Side of the road, sitting there. He says, son of David, have mercy on me. And we learn this beautiful thing. Jesus stops for all who cry out for mercy. See, if you want to be in his kingdom, if you want to be part of this beautiful place that Jesus is building, cry out for mercy. He will stop. That's the kind of king he is. The very greatest who became the very lowest for us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this massive turkey of Mark 10. Thank you that there's so much meat on these bones. Thank you that we can see the kind of kingdom, the kind of values that our Lord Jesus has. That he, the greatest, the richest, the most brilliant, became the last, the least, the servant, the slave of all. What an amazing king. And Father, help us to embody that kingdom, to live that kingdom out where we are, to look different and show how brilliant and beautiful the kingdom Jesus is building. Amen. Oh,